Calm down. You need where to calm down. Hello everyone, this is Dean Babasoto and you are listening to The Dean's List, where I read my mediocre writing and talk about myself. On this week's episode of the podcast, I'm going to be talking about my life as an English teacher. For the student perspective, I asked a ninth grader who was his favorite English teacher that he ever had, and he had this to say. Best to be my seventh grade English teacher. Okay, yeah, why? Um, Why your seventh grade English teacher? Uh, she was, um, she, uh, I don't know how to explain this. She, um, was really more, um, like, involved with the students. And she was, like, she was, like, um, what the, like, I went to a predominantly, like, black school. And she Mm -hmm. was, like, um... She was, like, highly relatable with, she understood, like, us, and, like, she was, like, really, um, you know, understanding about, like, certain stuff that we yeah. were going through, so. Was she, she like, black herself? Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. was, like, really, um, you know, she was, like, she helped out a lot with kids and stuff. She ran certain programs and her students she helped with. Cool. She helped uh, run events. Yeah. And all around, she was just, like, a really, like, good teacher. Like, she uh, made sure we understood what um, the uh, topics were about. Yeah. Um, She went through reading in class if we didn't understand it. Stuff yeah. Like that. So, she, so did, she was, like, relatable uh-huh. and, like, made sure you knew what was happening before mm-hmm. she moved on. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, like, just if someone, if you had to answer the question, like, what makes a good English teacher? Yeah, is there anything else you would sort of add to that? Um, probably, probably just, like, under, I guess, understanding, like, the group of children, like, you're talking to. Okay. Because, like, of course, not, like, every kid in that group is, like, the same, but, like, Understanding, like, who you're talking to is going to, like, um, help you because, like, once you know who you're talking to, you can help them with specific things and, like, you know what to touch on and stuff like right. that. Yeah, you're, you And you know, know how to, like, present that thing, so. To them, specifically, mm-hmm. yes, yeah. You know what, the thing you're hitting on right now is actually, like, the number one thing they teach you when you go to school to be a teacher is just, like, know your students, because you mm-hmm. literally can't be a good teacher if you don't, like, know the person that's in front of you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a really great point. For me, teaching English is about so much more than teaching English. It's about the way art stops time, and it's about dedicating my life to helping kids find texts that change theirs. And it's also about teaching students to think critically, which is why this particular moment I shared with a student is one that made me sad but hopeful. The names in the story have been changed because Buffalo is a very small place. So I'm standing in the back of room 104, the classroom where I hold homework hall. And it's a quiet space for students to come after school 
while they wait for track practice to start or the ever-popular weight room to open up. Some kids are assigned here, and I monitor them closely and make sure they're being productive. I ask them what homework they need to work on that day, and I frequently check in to see if they need help or to gently remind them to get off Snapchat and get back on task. The room is lined with windows against the back wall, and the golden slanting light, always present at this time in the afternoon, adds a calming atmosphere. I take a break from check-ins, and I'm staring out at the snow that gently and lazily floats down from the powder blue sky accumulating on the lawn of the school. Mr. B, a student calls out to me and breaks my trance. What's up, Amari? I say as I start to walk across the room to his desk. He hesitates and waits until I'm right next to him to say another word. He looks at me and asks, Is Mrs. Raymond racist? His eyes shine with the genuine sincerity of this question. I pause before answering, careful not to invalidate his feelings about something that has clearly occurred. I would hope not, and I don't think so, but I don't know her well, I tell him. What makes you ask that question? He pauses before he answers. In class today, he says, she said that in literature, black means bad omens and evil, and white means purity and goodness. My head and shoulders sink as it hits me what this student has just been taught about himself. You know, when I was in college, I explained to him, I took an entire class on critical race theory, and we talked about this exact concept. There is this thing called the Western literary canon. In other words, it's the books that the Western world, so Europe and the Americas, consider important. And the books on this list have mostly been written by and chosen by white men. And these white men have also decided the way to read and interrogate and interpret literature. So that idea that white is good and black is bad is a Western concept, and there were no women or people of color allowed at the table to disagree with that idea. Remember when we talked about colonialism, I asked him? So when white people came to the Americas, they saw people who practiced other religions and had other cultures different than theirs, and they considered those people uncivilized because they practiced different cultures and religions. White supremacy helped create that idea that the teacher stated in class, but it's not a universal belief. If we go to a part of the world, especially in the East, a part of the world that has been ravaged by colonialism, the exact opposite concept is believed. People who live in countries destroyed by imperialism and colonizers have come to associate whiteness with death and murder and exploitation and blackness with natural beauty. Amari nodded and took it all in. So she probably never took that class in college, he stated, clearly connecting the dots. She probably didn't, I said. In teacher education programs, we tell teachers that this is a fact, that white is good and black is bad, because it's always been considered a fact in the Western world. And because she was trained to be a teacher in the Western world and is a white person herself, she probably did not even think about how that idea is harmful or that not everyone reads those colors that way. 
He nodded again. And then he said, we have a lot of work to do. Yes, yes, we definitely do, I replied. Conversations like that one are really what led me to secondary education in the first place. Because even though my undergraduate work is in English literature, it's also in gender studies and social justice. And in a lot of ways, that training has prepared me to be in high school settings even more so than my training in literature. It's gender studies and that interdisciplinary approach that's given me the knowledge to be able to respond to questions like the one Amari was asking. I've always been frustrated by this idea only students who had the privilege of accessing college would be able to also access this liberating information and knowledge. I think for a lot of teachers, especially teachers in my community, in the queer community, Secondary education in high schools, middle schools, feel like hostile places where we can't be idealistic or have progressive values. So I always wondered if higher education wasn't the place for me um, and if high schools could really be somewhere that I would feel at home. Secondary education used to be something that I thought of as limiting and I thought that those limits would have to do with the age group and conservative nature of secondary education. So I talked to a more experienced teacher who had also considered higher education before secondary ed about this exact topic. I'm uh, Brian Kanya, and I've been an English teacher, <clears throat> I think this is 23 years. Nice. Um, yeah. And all of them at St. Joe's? All of them at St. Joe's. Awesome. Yes. Okay, very cool. Yes. So yeah, I mean, why this profession? Like, why did you choose to do this? I had, I, well, I, I never thought I would be teaching secondary. Um, I had started a PhD program right out of college, and my goal was to always teach at the university level. Um, <clears throat> I made it the dissertation phase and realized uh, this wasn't for me. And then um, was kind of thinking about what I wanted to do, and um, a very influential teacher. I think one of the reasons why I went into graduate work is because I had such an influential teacher in high school. Okay. Here. And coming... Who was that? I'm just wondering. Cause oh, I... his name was Jack Kenny. Okay. And um, legendary English teacher here. And I think coming to the school as well, um, from a public high school my freshman year, coming here, it oh, just I didn't know that. Okay. locked... Uh, just a love of knowledge um, and what was happening here and my classes and it, it just fed something within me that I didn't know was there until I got here and then having him junior year and junior year honors and then going with him to London um, really just sparked my interest in ideas yeah. and books. So I pursued that in college and was an English and philosophy major and um, then went to grad school but I was looking for a job and Jack said hey we have a part-time position at St. Joe's so I, I came here and then that turned into a full-time position, and, yeah. and here I am. 
Um, so I think I always knew I wanted to be around ideas, and I think I always knew that I wanted to be an inspiration to other kids the way Jack was to me. Yeah. Um, and it just so happened that I'm, I'm back here kind of doing that work. Right. Yeah. I'm really glad I, I did not know that part of the story. Yeah. So do you ever feel like unfulfilled in the secondary level because you wanted to do no, higher because, ed? Okay. No, because I, I then went back for a second PhD in, in education. And once again, it made it to about the same, the same juncture where I was putting together a dissertation proposal and realized um, this is not me. Mm, okay, okay. <laughs> and realized I'm very happy at the secondary. It took me 20-some years of struggling to realize, should I be here, should I be somewhere else, should I be here, should I be somewhere else? Um, that second go around, I had um, kind of dreams of being a researcher and, and working at the, once again at the college level, and then it took about 20 some years to realize, no, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with what I do at the secondary level and the knowledge I have at the secondary level and um, how I kind of see the playing field here and can envision programs and classes and curriculum, so, um, it took a long time, but I, I finally feel comfortable, I think, yeah. really, with where I am. Yeah. Okay. I was like that English major where I was like, I'm never going to be a teacher. Right. I want to do higher ed, nothing yeah. under that. Exactly. So I sometimes yeah. am still in that place where I'm like, is yeah. this where I'm supposed to be? Right. Um, should I be, you yeah. know, so I, I think I am going to pursue a PhD, but it's yeah. good to know that, you know, like you don't feel like you're missing out or something no it took a long time to realize it took a long time to realize like i'm doing the phd really for reasons of vanity okay i'm doing it to have the phd uh do i really love academia do i really love the people do I, no politics <laughs> I right i didn't right and i've uh, and i thought that uh, the people i work with here are much more well-rounded are much more um just real human beings yeah. I don't want to be around. Right. So, yeah. So, that was, I think, it. Yeah. Okay. What if, like, what's your favorite part of, like, your day as an English teacher? I think, the, I think the, the uh, I think the, the freedom that we have here, this isn't the, it, true at all schools. Right. <clears throat> I don't know, I don't know how happy I would be in a, and not to say that it wouldn't be happy at a public school, but I think the rigidity of a public school, I think the rigidity of the curriculum, uh, and 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 the the inability to choose your books, the inability to choose the direction you want to go in, the kind of rigidity when it comes to thinking about like standards and, right. and grounding, like that to me would, I wouldn't, I don't think I would enjoy that. Okay. Um, I like the freedom I have here. I love the ability to create classes that are interesting and. And really, unlike things that people normally do in high school. Yes. Um, but I do enjoy um, really working with students. So I think that's the part um, that, w that would change a bit. It's an exhausting job. Right. Uh, and there are times, like right about now in the year, where I think, my God. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but then that comes and goes. I like the cyclical nature of the job. Yes. I like the fact that every year I start with a new group of seeds and I watch them grow and then I take a break and then I start over right. again. Right. The thought of, of being in a job that was like Groundhog Day would really, um, I think, frustrate me. Yeah. Uh, but I like working with kids. And I, and, 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 and I tend to really... I tend to really be good with working with the honors and AP kids, but I actually, I think my bread and butter is actually working with kids who are fairly 
um, resistant to things. And yeah. the kids that you normally wouldn't expect to be good in school, I actually think I'm really good with those kids. Yeah. And I like getting those kids kind of turned on to ideas and books that we're doing. Yes. Um, and I have fun with that. And I, I guess I just see what I do every day as, as five periods of kind of, it sounds trite, but it's not. It's like five periods of like a stage production. Right. Yeah. Like how do I, how do I become an actor on stage to get these kids a really to understand the complications of the world, but also writing, but but also make it a bit entertaining and a bit right. Neat. Right. So that's kind of fun. I get to go to work and kind of think about the play I'm going to do each day, which is kind right. of interesting. No, yeah. I do. I think of it like writing fiction. It's like yeah. I have to decide exactly what order and what ways to drop certain things so yes, that it exactly. equals something at the yeah. end. Yeah, exactly. So I, I yeah. do, I, I totally see that. How do you see the, like, St. Joe's moving away from the Regents? Did that, did pre-Regents teaching, was that, like, more rigid, like the public school? It never really affected us because okay. we were so skills-based. Right, that's um, the best thing English. about English, yeah. Um, I think... Moving away from the regions, I think we have been swept up in the tide of fun thinking. Okay. So, in the sense that the administration has said, go have fun with courses, and they pretty much don't say no to anything. Right. And they encourage us to be creative. Um, did they encourage us to be creative in the last administration? A little bit. Um, but I think now with the movement. So, have, have were we really standards-based before? No, not really. Right. Um, but I think there's just a wave of creativity and excitement um, that's happening that we're getting more swept up in, which is nice. Yeah, So definitely. Yeah. And you can see, I mean, the electives, like yeah. you can really see it. Exactly. Um, and I was just reading that thing about spy literature for next year, yeah. and I was like, yeah. <laughs> my sister was like, oh, is that Fernonia's course catalog? And I was yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah. it's no, St. Joe's. Yeah. Uh, it's ours, so yeah. she was like amazed by that. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, so. I have a lot of fun. Um, I, well, I also get to pursue my own interests. So I love to travel, and I love to think about... Um, I have some more big nonfiction guy too. So I, you know, in doing London, in doing Buffalo seminar next yeah. year, we're going to spend a lot of time in the city talking about really important issues. Issues I like to talk about in architecture and urban planning, yeah. and, um, and and racial issues and um, gentrification and stratification yep. issues and all that kind of stuff. Um, we're going to have to go and learn about that, which I think is really cool. Yes. Um, so that kind of feeds mine, sparks my interest. Yeah. Which I like. Yeah. Um, I've got a whole new... I don't know if I'm going to do London again the year after. I think I'm going to be planning a whole course around uh, World War One, Two, and late 19th and 20th century Europe and cool. Eastern European kind of study and travel thing. So yeah. the idea of being able to do that sort of stuff is really, really kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, which I like. Great. Yeah. Great. And the relationships with kids are great. I still see... Yes. I run into students all the time. Yeah. I mean, and it's just nice to be able to run into students and have nice conversations with them. Definitely. Yeah, which is one of the benefits of, of, of doing this for a long time. Right. And yeah. I mean, I guess if you're, yeah, if you're teaching college, like the chances of your students coming back to visit. I think that's it, right? It's not I a think, thing. I think the relationship building is big. And if you're big into relationship building, and I think you are, I think you're going to find this much more satisfying. Yeah. No one goes back to see your, well, a few people do, I suppose. But, but you know, it, it, yeah, I mean, I've, not as many. I have like one professor that I've yes. stayed in contact with, but that's, yeah, you know, that's, good, but that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Exactly. And I think part of it is about the age group. Like you're just so yeah. much more impressionable. Exactly. So, and you're really, um, and it is about the content, but I've, I've learned increasingly that, you know, it isn't, it's, it's just about those relationships right. and, and, um, kind of, though I feel like, I think it's probably true in any profession, but I, I really feel like, um, 
I really feel like that I just, after this many years, have really come full circle with teaching and thinking about teaching and... How I go, I'm not getting more... I'm actually, I'm not getting more cantankerous and conservative and, you know, in yeah. ways. I'm actually... At 47, uh, actually beginning to become a lot more thoughtful and I think progressive with how I'm thinking about teaching. Yeah, which I'm, I guess I'm a little surprised at, but I'm really happy that I've I've I've, I've come this way. Right. I think a lot of teachers at this age just get very grouchy and you know like I've been um, doing it this way. It's um, your responsibility. You get things Right. And I've just I've rethought grading. I've rethought testing. I've rethought projects. I've rethought. Um, deadlines and rethought I've rethought everything about um, and I'm asking some I think some pretty important questions about everything I took for granted before right so I'm happy about that that tells me that um, hopefully the next few years will be will be good yeah thinking about those things so, better yeah even exactly you know? yeah 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 and then just getting rigid and set your ways right yeah definitely great well thank you very oh, much yeah this was great this okay was cool as an English teacher continues. Thanks for listening.